Welcome to the MIND podcast. MIND stands for Michigan New Educators. This podcast is a place where new educators and sometimes their guests offer encouragement and insight into a profession understood by few but talked about by many. So whether you are an educator, love an educator, want to be an educator, or just need to learn more about us, we're glad you're here. Our hosts are four early career teachers brought together by the Michigan Education Association. The MEA is here to help educators in all stages of their careers. And that's the school bell, signaling it's time to start. within our own walls of our classroom and oftentimes our own buildings and we don't take a look at the bigger picture we forget to take a look at that so today we're going to dive a little deeper and talk politics on what you have to do as a new educator how can you get yourself involved and we have a very special guest today our our secretary treasurer brett smith of the mea he is here to kind of help educate us because i know as a new teacher i'm still learning a lot and we're so excited to have you brett thank you so much for being here with us Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Absolutely. I am Danielle Werner. I am Danielle Baranowski's <laughs> fourth grade teacher in Bay City. I'm going into my fifth year. My name is Brittany Maxella. I am a fourth year teacher going into my fifth year as well. And I will be teaching third grade in Monroe Public Schools. Uh, my name is a Amanda. Oh, Amanda Henderson. I am a uh, Oh gosh, I'm a German teacher, duh. Um, and during <laughs> my, listen, it's summer, you guys. <laughs> I am a German teacher uh, about to enter my fifth year of teaching, um, and I am located in Rochester. I'm Sky Kapanis. Um, I'm located in Lansing Schools. I am a fourth and fifth grade teacher, and I'm going into my third year. So, Brett, could you tell us a little bit more about? what you do, what's your position with the MEA and everything. I'm sure you have a lot of hats anyways, but just a little bit more about it. My official title is the Secretary Treasurer of the Michigan Education Association. I have many responsibilities as an officer of the organization. I sit on the, first and foremost, I sit on the Michigan Education Association board. I sit on the MESA board. I sit on the MEA Financial Services board. So the three companies, I sit on the board of all those. I am in charge of the MEA budget. Uh, I'm in charge of several committees, so I chair several committees that uh, President Herbart puts me on, and I deal with membership, um, finance, all kinds of great things, but my favorite part of my job is being out and interacting with our members and meeting people just like you guys and just the excitement of, you know, to deal with public education every day. I get to speak with legislators and talk to them to the, about the importance of public education and get their feedback and to talk to our members around the state about the different aspects and the different issues, uh, depending on where you live in Michigan. And lately, you know, with the, with the teaching at home, it's, it's been very interesting to hear the different issues that have come about and the um, inequalities across the state as far as what what's available, even for our 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 members, let alone the students in Michigan. So that is a, it's a very uh, long title, so to speak, as far as what my responsibilities are. Yeah, I definitely didn't think, I figured you'd have 
15 different hats. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sure there's something that you hear very often, and I know I've heard it, and I've actually been guilty of saying it myself, is that I don't want to talk politics when we talk teaching. And I think that's something as you, you get deeper into the profession, you realize teaching is a very political job. It's silly to say, oh, it's not, I don't want to talk politics. Well, when you're saying that, then you, teaching is politics. We are a government position. Like we so badly we, that we run off like, public funding. We need that. So Brett, when was the moment when you realized that it was a political job? Did you always know that? And I think maybe we can all go around and you know share when we realized it was political. Well, you go to college to become an educator, right? You don't go to college to become a, a politician or a political guru. But it doesn't take long into your education career to realize that how, how involved politics is. And you have to be aware that it, it plays an incredible role in education. And a large majority of the decisions that are made in public education are made by elected officials, starting with your school board, our, our legislators at the state level and at the federal level. They're the ones that make the decisions as, as far as funding, the things that are going to be taught. And you know, the misconception is, is that the teachers decide those things. And that's not true. The, the curriculum is determined by boards of education. So to say, you know, to, the, the, the term politics is very broad, but it is very, very deep in education. And it starts with your local school board who are elected officials. Yep. Um, I can go next. So I've always been, my parents were always very political people. Um, watch the news every night, watch the news for the full morning on Sunday. That was like my parents' big joke because we had to go to the early Sunday morning service because they had to get home to watch the news because that was what was really important was the Sunday morning. They called them the talkies, all the talking heads. So I grew up with that for my entire life. It was not an option to not have an opinion on politics. Now, truth be told, did my parents think I would completely flip from what their party was to what I believe now? No, but it is what it is. And I'm still incredibly politically aware and knowledgeable and active. So for me, I always kind of knew what teaching was just because not the intricacies of it, but I knew about the politic, political aspects of it, just because I've been surrounded by politics my whole life. But if anything, like once I got in sort of in the trenches, I was like, oh, whoa, (laughs) like, I really need to be even more aware, because of course I knew about, you know, uh, the presidential elections and state elections and stuff, but when it came down to school board and stuff like that, I mean, at the beginning of my career, when I first started voting, I had no idea why it was important to care about a school board, why that information was important. I just checked people who someone told me to check. Um, so definitely, you know, being in the classroom and understanding more about how we get our funding and how important it is to have people that we trust and who support public ed making those decisions, um, that motivated me to put even more effort in. I feel like, all right, I know the state people, I know the government at the federal level, but I need to really pay attention to the local politics as well. I'll go next. Um, I guess for me, I never knew teaching um, was so political, especially in college when I had professors urging us to to stay out of it. They always um, recommended, you know, just don't talk politics in school. You don't want to tread on any toes. Um, Just stay out of it. And I realized my first year of teaching that that was not going to be possible for me. (laughs) 
I just saw how things were functioning in schools and how we got our funding, how um, our curriculum was developed, um, just everything that has to do with our school basically is political. And I could not believe that. And of course, as a teacher, you want to be involved and you you want what's best for your school and for your children. So naturally, as a teacher, you just become political. And it's, I feel like as a teacher, you kind of have no choice. If you truly care for your school, for the people you work with, for your students, you have to be political. Uh, you have to advocate for your children. And that's just the way it is. Yeah, I actually, I had a very, well, similar experience, but when I started my first year of teaching, I'll be completely honest, I kept my hands clean. Like, I, I, you know, I can't say clean. I'm not going to say, like, I just tried. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about it. I don't want to talk about, you know, our board of directors, our school board, because I, first of all, didn't feel educated enough to have those conversations, but I wasn't trying to educate myself either. You know, I just wanted to go in my classroom teach my kids and go home and only like, but again, I was a first year teacher and I was drowning and that was a lot to take in regardless. I think that's something that does come with time. Once you start, you know, feeling like you can breathe a little bit, you're like, Oh, now I can start having an active voice elsewhere, you know? And I think that's when I started to finally find myself once I got involved with my MEA position, when I was in Denver and I started having all these conversations with other teachers and we were talking about those one page contracts and I'm like these contracts that we have this is not what everyone else has and like it was so I was so surface level I didn't understand how shallow I was at that time in regards to politics and funding and budgeting and I'm like I am so uneducated and then that was at that moment I realized I had to do a lot more research I started having a lot more conversations and I know I need to be doing a lot more still um, but it was at that moment, I'm like, we have it really good in Michigan and we need to make sure we keep having it good. And I'm not going to be in this profession for another 25 years. So if I don't start advocating for it, there's going to be nobody else doing it. Yeah. So I remember just getting super passionate about it at that moment when I realized that I had to start doing something about it because there's nobody, everyone else who's passionate right now is they have five years and they're out the door, you know, and they're ready to leave. So I, and that's when, you know, I took this position within my districts, you know, talking with new teachers. I remember having those conversations, like we're on the same team. Like you and I are going to be in this boat together for a long time. And if you're not on the team and it's just me, I'm going to sink. So I just, I, I thought at that moment it was super powerful. And it's so great because all of my, um, all of our, like our executive board, they're pushing our new teachers because they're like, we're doing this for you. Like, we don't do this for us anymore. This is for you guys. So we need to start realizing, our new teachers realizing that anything we're doing, we're doing this for the long haul. And at the end of it, we do it for those new teachers now because we've, you know, we're done. So, yeah. So Brittany, what are your thoughts? When did it become political for you or when did you realize it? So mine is similar to both yours and Sky's. Like in, at, in college, they did not push anything with politics. They didn't speak of it for any of my classes and um and so I you know I I came from a union family anyway but it wasn't for education it was you know in the uh teamsters so like I I had that background and knowledge on that but not necessarily education so I felt just 
not educated in anything. I was like, just ready to get my first job, got in there. It was crazy because I was teaching kindergarten and my life was like, oh my, like extreme behaviors left and right. So that's all I'm focused on, you know? And like Danielle said, then when that kind of calms down, you're like, okay, there is a lot of stuff messed up with this system. What's going on? I need to educate myself on my contract. I need to know more. So then I went to the MEA NEA listening tour because, and which was located at my county, at my Monroe County ISD. And that's actually where I met Brett and Chandra. They were there and they were going around and, um, but I was just like, I need to know more. And I was trying to get people to go with me, but I was like, I'm just going to go by myself because I need to know. And this was in my first year as well. So I went and I felt like I learned just so much more about what goes into it. There was also the lobbyist there. So I was learning about that. And I was also the youngest person at that meeting. And um, so that was eye-opening too, because that's when I realized that there isn't a lot of young people, you know, and that was my, my local, their biggest thing was that, you know, we're losing members, younger members are not interested, they don't want to get involved, you know, the money, the dues, everything. And so it was just like alarming to me. And then all these teachers were like, Oh, my gosh, thank you for coming to this. Thank you for being here. Do you need anything? You know, all these veteran teachers and, um, and I was just like, I got to do I have to do something because like Danielle said, if we don't do something and get our voices heard, then we're just not going to have anything. Like nobody's going to be advocating for our students. So um, it's very political. And I, I kind of thought that it was, but I, I just needed time, I guess, to really research and know more and educate myself. And so once I did, I mean, I, I'm like a soapbox person and I preach it to everybody. So <laughs> I'm that person. Definitely. So now that we like, you know, we've all talked about why it was political. I mean, now what are some small ways we can get involved? Brett, or what are some, Brett, what are some ways that, you know, new teachers that are just dipping their feet in the water, what's something they can do to start seeing that political side and really start advocating for the new teachers and just education in general, obviously. I think one of the important things to do is to speak to the veteran staff and listen to the stories because the, the true fights have happened already and it's our job to protect the things that they fought for and then to continue the fight. And I think another thing that we need to do, especially with our new staff, is to, is to define who we are and define what public education is. And we've seen the Red for Ed rallies around the nation and that's phenomenal, the, the changes that have been made through that. But for too long, other people have been defining who we are and putting us down. And as as educators, regardless of what your role is, whether you're a, you know, a bus driver or a maintenance person or a parapro or you know, a K-12 educator or higher ed, we, we, are, we, we have these giant hearts, right? And we take and we take and we take and we absorb and we never push back and, and, and fight back. And it's, it's very difficult for us because it's not in our nature, but it's time that we started to at least stand up for ourselves. And I think that movement is happening within the last year and a half. And I think we need to focus on the positives and, and the positive things that public education does for children and for communities and for everything else. And we need to start to talk positively about those things. We need to speak out about the good instead of focusing on the negative and the bad. And that's the, that's the biggest thing we can start to push. And then, and then just you know, try to educate ourselves on our local contracts, how a school board works, how it works at the state level, how it works at the national level, who is the Secretary of Education of the United States, right? That's, I mean, those kind of things people need to know. 
her name's been in the news plenty, right? And people, whatever you see on Facebook isn't where you should be getting your, your information from. It should be, who is that person? What, what laws have they passed or promoted? And it's the same thing, you know, with everything is we define who we are and we need to continue to push that positive message. And you guys, on a, I don't remember which podcast it was, but you talked about going to the teacher's lounge, right? And listening to those, to the, to the, I believe you referred to them as walnuts. Is that correct? Or acorns? Which one was it? <laughs> the marigolds. The you walnut guys are trees. The walnut trees are the negative uh, walnut trees. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so let, let, I'm going to talk about that for a second because you do need to listen to what they're saying, but you need to filter the message, right? So new educators need to come in and listen to the stories, the history of how we got to where we are today because teachers with 10 years experience or more are very frustrated. They're very frustrated with the, the things that were promised to them and the things that have been taken away. And all that happens in legislation, right? And we can't focus on all of the negative things. We need to, I, I, as I travel around the state and as I talk to legislators in Lansing, there are so many of them that are supportive of us. There are so many of them that care about the teachers and the bus drivers and every, all of our members. And there are so many of us that come to us and say, keep fighting, we're listening. We just need some more support. We need some more push. We need some more help. So it's our job to educate the new members, the new teachers, the new people that are, are involved in the public education that the history of how we got to where we are today and where we want to get back to. And if, if we can do that, that's what's best for children is keeping people in this profession. Because right now I'm worried about the people that are doing this and are going to get frustrated and are going to leave and go to other professions because they chose to be educators because it's what's in their heart. And then they're going to be unhappy with the choices they made to leave. I talked to several people that are former educators and they wish they were back in the classroom because there is no better job on earth than to be a teacher. Right. I will say that right now. I miss being in the classroom. I'm no longer in the classroom. I miss that, that time with those children and teaching. I love that. That's my passion. But we have to define who we are and that takes all of us and it has to start early because there are always going to be those people that are pushing and fighting and everything else. Yeah. No, the one thing you said, Brett, it's like changing the narrative, you know, I mean, and that's so much, you know, we talk about our district, you know, when you talk about your district and you say certain things and they're like, don't talk negative about your district because people hear it. They're not going to send your kids to your district, you know, and that's just how it is. And you have to change the narrative. If you're talking about politics, well, we could do this if we do this, like, you know, it's an empowering thing and take away the negativity from it. Then it becomes a whole movement that's powerful and like it's going to be engaging and wonderful and you can get stuff done. And I think that that's what becomes so overwhelming for new teachers. It's like, again, I don't want to tread on any toes. I want to go in there and do my job. And not, like I said, not just new teachers, anybody, so many people, you know, teachers that are even have been there for 15 years and they're like, no, I'm good. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do anything. I don't need to make any waves. I, I'm good where I'm at. And I think that so many people are content with where they're at and, but they'll, they'll still say things, but they're like, no, you're good. But the thing is, is we're not going to do anything about it. Things aren't going to change. So once we change the narrative and make it a positive experience, that this is all going to unfold tenfold and be amazing for, not amazing, but going to be a good thing for people. I think that's, I have to be better about that too, because I know that 
I sometimes get in my own head and I start talking politics and I'm like, this is just such a negative experience. You just go toe to toe with people and it doesn't have to be that way. It does not have to be that way. You know, I always say, I always say that I can't complain about something if I'm not going to do something about it. And that was kind of my whole thing about, you know, our contract that when I finally got into, got educated and looked into it and found out more, it was like, I'm not going to sit here and be like everybody else that's complaining and negative and, you know, just spewing at the mouth. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I was like, I need to get involved and I need to do something to be able to, like you said, change the narrative. So I just feel like that's so important because so many people will just sit there and talk, 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 but not do anything to advocate or, you know, and there's little things that we can do. Mm-hmm. So, And it has to be the teachers to do it. You know, the educators, right. the people that work with the children, you know, all these people that make policy and decide teachers fate, so to speak, they don't work directly with the children. They don't always understand what's going on and what's going to work and what's not going to work. As teachers, as educators, as the people that work directly with these kids, we know, and we need to help make those decisions. I think another point that we need to keep in mind is, is, is the question that was just asked is, when did we realize how political it was, right? And for some of us, it's our first year of teaching. For some of us, it's our fifth or sixth year of teaching. So imagine the general public, right? The people that aren't in our job every day. They have no idea who sets the rules. So when you have those conversations at the grocery store or out and about, we need to educate our educators on how to have those conversations so that the person working at the deli or the person checking us out at the grocery store, every conversation we have, we can make an impact politically for public education but we have to know the things to say and we have to know it ourselves first. We have to talk to them about how the school board are the ones that make the choices as to how things are taught in my classroom. The state legislators are the ones that decide state law and education. And of course, the people in Washington DC make decisions that impact us as well as far as funding goes. And until we start to educate people on who makes those decisions, they can't have conversations with legislators when they come to their front porch and ask for their vote in November. So that's where, that's really where the communication has to happen. And when I said we need to talk positively about education, you can't stand in the grocery store. And when a parent or a concerned citizen starts talking negatively about education, you can't sit there and nod your head. You have to have an intelligent conversation, an educated conversation with that person And yes, it may be an inconvenience to stand there for five more minutes while your ice cream is melting and your milk is getting warm, but that's one vote you might be able to get from somebody or one person that's going to go home and have a conversation with their family or their neighbor. And and we just have to do that right now. We don't have a choice. We always have to be the ones to promote ourselves and, like I said, define who we are. That's where those conversations happen are out in your community. Yeah, I definitely agree about that. I know, especially during everything that's been going on with remote learning and distance learning, I feel like people have been turning to teachers a lot to ask questions. And that is a really good, I think, avenue for us to sort of talk about public education with them and, you know, to talk about some things that they might not know. I mean, I just had a conversation with my dad a couple days ago, and he had no idea that 40% of my evaluation comes from a test on a subject I do not teach. I mean, think about that, right? My data comes from the SAT very little German, none on the SAT. And he had no idea. And he said, that doesn't seem right. And I was like, yeah, 
or when I, you know, first told family members that I had a class of 38, 39 kiddos in a, in a room together. And they were shocked. I mean, absolutely shocked. And they said, wow, I, I thought a big class size was like 30. And I said, no, that's a small class size. <laughs> that's a small class size is 30. So sometimes, you know, they might, they hear messaging, like they clearly heard that people are, you know, upset about classroom sizes but they had no idea because they're not in the classroom or they haven't had children in a classroom. They have adult children and they aren't attached to the sort of education sphere. Um, so I agree, like, it's important. Those conversations is where people are going to learn things because, I mean, when you see big reports on the news, they're not saying like, oh, Amanda in Rochester has 38 kids. Like, that's not making the news. Like, no, that's just my personal experience that people don't know until you share. So I think it is really important to sort of share about that and have those conversations. Absolutely. Um, could you share a little bit more for us? So obviously we know when we sign up for the MEA, we have the option of also signing up for PAC. And I think a lot of times, new teachers especially, have no idea what that means. So could you tell us a little bit about what VPAC is, where that money goes, and sort of a little bit of the nitty gritty about that? Absolutely. PAC is the Political Action Committee, and that is a separate piece of the MEA. So dues dollars, when, when a member pays their dues, none of that money goes to our Political Action Committee. The Political Action Committee is separate, and the donations that you make to PAC then go for us to support the candidates that we feel support public education. And we have what we call a screening and recommendation committee. And we have several around the state. We have one at the state level, and then we have uh, multiple around the state. And those are made up of members, MEA members, that sit down and we send out invites to candidates depending on what election it is. And whomever agrees to be interviewed by us, we have them come in or now we do them virtually. And we ask them questions and get their opinions about education and funding for education. And then the committee decides if they're going to support a candidate. Do we always pick a candidate? No. Do we always pick a candidate from a certain political party? Absolutely not. But if it is somebody that we feel is going to have the same belief system about doing what's best for children and providing an equal education for all children, regardless of zip code, then absolutely. Um, and we also look at their past records as far as voting. And if they haven't voted in, on, um, in a agreement with us on certain things, we, ha we have that conversation as to why and what they're gonna, they might do differently in the future. And it's great conversation, even if we don't end up uh, supporting and endorsing a candidate, but it's also given us the opportunity to build a relationship and have conversation and listen to their perspective and also provide our perspective back as far as what we like to do. So candidates, our, our members can go to, our MEA has a website that we list all of the candidates that we've supported, and that is mea.yourvoter.guide. And you put in your zip code, and it will show you the candidates that we have supported. And a lot of times we send out mailings as well, but I know that a lot of people get a lot of political information right before an election and may not see that. So it's always safe to go to the MEA website, yourvoter.guide. You can also talk to your local leaders. One of the things that we recommend you do is if you live in a district other than the one that you live in or that you work in, 
you can call the local leader of that one, uh, that district, and see who they've supported for school board elections and um, other things that need be. And even when the day comes that you get to retire, you can still be very active politically. We have a phenomenal uh, MEA retired group, and they are political rock stars. They love uh, the politics of education. And those uh, we have about, gosh, I don't know the, the number right now, but over 30,000 retired. And we lean on them very heavily. And we, we talk to them quite regularly about, you know, th like I said, they're the ones that fought the fight, right, to get us where we are today. So they don't want to lose what you guys to lose what they fought for. So they still stay very active. And I think, you know, another piece of the conversation I want to have with you guys is, is you know, you will have the opportunity to meet uh, people running for office yourself. They'll come to your front door because they want to have that conversation. And there isn't a candidate that I've ever met that has said they don't care about children. So when you have that conversation about education, I would assume that all of them are gonna say, yes, I care about the future of education and yes, I care about children. But that's where you need to take it a step further. And you need to ask very point questions and say, what have you done for education funding? Or what do you plan to do for education funding if they haven't been in office yet? And then say, how are you going to implement that plan? What's your time frame for that plan? Be very specific and don't, don't hesitate to tell them you're a teacher. Ask them who they take money from, who, who, who has endorsed you, because there is the current Secretary of Education of the United States who does support a lot of candidates in Michigan. And you need to have that conversation as to why they took money from her. And is that going to impact their future voting? And this is where politics has to become part of your life because you need to pay attention when those votes happen about supporting education. And feel free to pick up the phone and call that person if they've said something to you that they may not have followed through with. They listen, they know who's called, but those conversations are the ones you need to have with legislators. What have you done for education? What are you going to do for education? And you can't, you can't let them skirt the issue because this is your livelihood. This is what you went to college for. This is where your paycheck comes from. And you have an important role for everyone to be involved in those decisions. Definitely, for sure. Um, so Brett, to kind of touch a little bit more on that, I know everyone's heard about the budget cuts in education that's happening. Um, can you maybe talk a little bit more about that for some of the people who don't necessarily know what's going on with that? <laughs> Well, I wish I had a definite answer as to what was going on with that, but there have not been any decisions made. There are still, I believe, three more payments for this school year to be made to districts. And then we have, of course, next year. And all parties that we've spoke to in Lansing agree that there should be no cuts for this year. Uh, the problem, obviously, is that you know there is, there is going to be a shortfall in this year's budget for the state. But there's no, there's no answers to funding yet. But the question goes to back to why we need to be involved politically, right? This is what we've been talking about. And we need to lean on those people that support public education and continue to push not only at the state level, but at the federal level with Senator Peters and Senator Stabenow and talk to them. And we have had conversations with them and they both support the fact that, that we do need federal help right now. But the people making these decisions are elected officials. 
right? It's not the local school district. They're only doing what they can do with the information that's provided. And some districts, unfortunately, have language in their contracts that say if someone is going to be laid off, they need to be notified by June 1st or July 1st. So their hands are tied as well as to we don't know where we're going to be financially. We don't know where enrollment's going to be. So we have to notify people because if I don't, I'm violating the contract, you know, the contract that I have with, with the teachers. So we have to do this. That does that mean it's, it's that come fall that those people aren't going to be called back? They probably will be called back. Personally, I think it's ridiculous to pink slip anybody right now because we have no idea budgetarily where we're going to be at the state. And we also don't have any idea how many retirements we're going to have because there are people out there that are very curious as to what the fall is going to look like. And if the fall doesn't look like the way they want it to, they're going to retire or they're going to leave their profession and go somewhere else, which is going to then create need. So I completely understand that we go through this every single year at the end of the school year, but right now it is amplified and magnified by the current situation. So we all need to take a deep breath and put our trust in the committee. Uh, the, the governor's committee will have some decisions on July 1st as to what a plan is going to look like. The governor came out uh, this week and said that schools will open in the fall, which we're all hoping for, right? We, we want to go back to doing what we feel is best for children, and that's being in the classroom, you know, teaching children. But we also have to have a plan B in place. So the, 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 uh, the fear of the unknown is, is, has everyone uneasy. So to our teachers out there that are, are very concerned about this, you have a right to be concerned. But you have to put your faith in, in you know, in the system and, and see how it works out because there's just too many unknowns right now. And it's, it's, it's horrible. It's sad. Uh, but, you know, we know that those that are out there that want to teach, you're going to have the opportunity to teach somewhere. Well, I think it also comes back to that conversation about changing the narrative. Like right now, there's a lot of unknowns. And mm -hmm. right now, if I start talking negative and I'm going to be like, they're going to they're going to have layoffs. They're going to be laying off so many teachers. I'm going to take a pay cut. We're going to get this much for the kids. That's not, none of that's definitive. None of that's known. And I think, again, as educators, what we have to be saying is I'm going to be there in the fall. I'm going to be teaching your kids in the fall. I'm going to do the very best with what I'm given. I'm still going to love your kids and, you know, give those parents the, the peace of mind that, you know, and I think, you know, we say it enough times, you start to believe it too. I know a lot of us are discouraged right now everyone's feeling that pressure like Brett was saying but again when we if we're positive about it saying you know what I'm going to still show up every day and do my job so regardless of what's going to happen I'm going to be there and the parents hear that there's not going to be a there's not going to be kids that aren't going to be showing up for the in-person experience it's not going to be a hundred a flood of virtual you know yes there are going to be parents that are going to be a little skeptical the fall and not maybe going to send their kids but the thing is again if you continue to spread that message of I'm still here I'm not going anywhere and I'm going to do what I'm really good at doing. They're going to just keep showing up. They want to, you know, I mean, all of us, if anything, we've learned through all of this, we have learned how much they value the in-person contact versus anything else, you know? So again, that's just part of the message that we have to continue to spread is that when we're positive, it's going to go ahead and trickle down like, like water, like a waterfall. So Amanda, yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree about staying positive because I know some concerns that a lot of districts have is that um, I know in my district, particularly, there's concern that, you know, kiddos aren't registering for kindergarten. 
And that's because parents are unsure and they're unsure because teachers are unsure and teachers are unsure because they don't have any answers. And it creates sort of this, you know, deadly circle of, you know, we're feeding into the same problem. It's not helping. So I definitely agree with what you're saying, Danielle, that like we need to be positive and say, Hey, listen, you know, we're teachers, you know, as much as I joke, I went into education for the praise and money. Let's be honest. I went into it for the kiddos. Right. So like, that's what we're here for. And that's what I tell parents when I, I talk to, you know, I, I babysit in the summer and I, they're like, well, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I say, I don't know. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be teaching. Might be teaching online, might be teaching in a room, might be teaching in a bubble. I'm going to be teaching. And that bit of like reassurance that, you know, and I don't listen, I keep the conversations of where am I going to be teaching? What am I going to do? Like, I keep that to me, myself, my fiance, you know, and so my colleagues, but that's not what I want to spread out to the world because they don't need to see fear from me too. They need to see optimism. You know, I can take my concerns. I can talk about them with those very close to me, but that's not what I want to share because that's a very small part of what it is. You know, am I a little scared? Sure. Am I also excited to get back and see some new kiddos and some old kiddos in my classroom? A hundred percent. I want to reiterate something Amanda said, and that is, um, you know, this, this job is, is like no other, right? You, you give your heart and soul every day. And sometimes, you know, you wear your heart on your sleeve and sometimes your heart gets broken on a daily basis. And it, it is an incredibly emotional job. It is an incredibly, um, trying, you know, your, your stress level, your personal health, your lack of sleep, you know, there isn't a day that I left the classroom where I felt I did everything I could for every single child in that classroom, because it's just impossible. And there are times that you need to vent about your job, right? And, and, and really just being cognizant of where you do that is important. Uh, like I said, we need to be out promoting positives and, you know, in our conversations, but you need to have those people that you can have those conversations with, whether it's your, you know, your spouse, uh, a, a, you know, a parent, uh, your own parent, not a parent in public, um, you know, a coworker, whatever it may be. But I, I want to reiterate something I say all the time, which is we all know people that work other jobs. And if you listen to them in their conversations, there are parts of their jobs that frustrate them as well. Ours is just different, right? When you start to talk um, negatively in any way about any aspect of your job and it gets outside of your classroom door, you know, then it, then it gets spread differently than if it was someone else. And I'm not saying our job is so much more important or whatever or better or whatever it may be. It's just different. We are held on, on a, a pedestal, so to speak, or I guess maybe that's not the right word, but people view us differently in the public. And when we say, you know, when we say, yeah, I had a really long day and I had this child, you know, that was frustrating me today and they were having a, they were struggling today. So it made my day a struggle as well. Right. I mean, you know, in your heart that you care about that child and you're going to do everything you can the next day to make their day better. But it's just a different occupation when it comes to that. And I always tell people that just, just listen to other people talk about their jobs, right? They have their frustrations as well. And it's okay to be frustrated when you're, whether you're driving bus or whether you're serving lunch or you're the recess aide, or, you know, I, I talk to our higher ed members and they have their frustrations with students and it's part of the job and it's okay to be frustrated, but just keep in mind, you're not alone when it comes to other jobs all over the world there, they have their frustrations as well. So. Definitely. I think that just kind of brings it back to, I have a lot of people asking you what they can do to like help out in the education community. And it, 
just brings it back to having those conversations with people. And that's what you can do. I mean, at this point, having those conversations about education and what they can do and educate them about the education community and how it really is and all of the positive things that we do and all of the positive things that we want to do. Um, so those conversations are just so important. I know, especially with, you know, everything that we went through this spring and a lot of families, you know, realizing what a little bit about what it takes to become or to be an educator from educating their own child, you know, and I know that I've had a lot of families just, oh my gosh, I can't believe you deal with this every day. And I'm like, hey, that's not even half of the stuff that we do in the actual <laughs> classroom. And um, that's one. Like, oh my gosh, like, we love you. You're this, that, and I'm, and how can we like support you and how can we help you? And, and I just tell them like voting, you know, voting is unfortunately we have to be like, we, we've talked about this whole time political and it's just be open-minded and educate yourself and do your research. So that's what, that's what I've been trying to stress to people because that's the only way that we can have just a better future for ourselves and the education. The I know field. I saw this post on Facebook the other day and it said, do you, parents, do you want your kids to have PE music and all of this come the fall and now's your time to be vocal. Do you believe that it's important? And I know there's a little fear mongering there, but let's be real, you know, with the, the reality of potential budget cuts. And I'm not saying that there's, those will be the first things laid off, but it's time for people to be vocal about it. You know, people have really big opinions and they're posting them all over Facebook. Well, this, I don't want it to look like this. I don't want my kids to go there and make it look like a jail cell. Well, you need to be vocal. If you want them to still have that PE, if you still want them to have that music, if you still want them to have that experience, because like I said, that's what we are bred to do as teachers. We are going to do the best of what we got and we are going to make it an experience. They're not going to show up and we're not going to make it a miserable experience. There's no way. That's not what we do because, you know, I mean, come on, let's be real. We're going to do the absolute best that we can. But again, we need that backing and the parents have to realize too, the community has to realize how big it is for them to have a voice in all of this as well. And like I said, it starts with us. So yeah, and definitely kind of going off of that, you know, now that, you know, school's over and it's the summer, I think if you are someone who is trying to get more politically active, this is a really good time to do it. You know, we have a very big election coming up this year. If you are someone who wants to make the shift from maybe, you know, you've gotten your foot in the water and you have read the material, you've become more active in your union, you've been more aware of what's happening in education now might be the step to say, you know what, I'm going to push this one step further, you know, because listen, we can all, we can post on Facebook and we can share and we can have those conversations. That's important work. But I think you can also make that next step if that is something that is important to you. You know, I myself am very, you know, education funding, public funding is something that is very important to me. So I started, you know, phone banking with the DNC to help start sort of support in that way, because I believe that that's going to better support public education. So not saying that that's the only option, but it might be a good time to, you know, if you have a little bit extra money, start donating to PEC, start trying to figure out some ways where you can, you know, put yourself out there a little bit more and push yourself a little bit. I'm not saying it's for everybody, you know, trust me, phone banking is not the most fun in the world, <laughs> but you also have some really great conversations. I mean, I had a conversation with a guy who 
he told me he's a, a union contractor. He's been working for like 45 years. These are supposed to be three minute calls. I talked to him for probably 10 minutes, just back and forth. Just, he was so, he was great. He was hilarious. I loved it. So maybe start looking and seeing what kind of volunteer options are out there. Um, if you're passionate, if you want to push it forward, we're in a big year. There's plenty of work to be done. All right, so Brett, I just I just want to say thank you so much for being with us today and educating us a little bit more and our listeners a little bit more. Um, and I just want to ask you, how do you, sorry, sorry guys, um, share with us how you get involved with, um, you know, the elections and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for, and thank you for having me. It's been a, a pleasure speaking with you guys this morning. It's it's, it's um, my pleasure, obviously. And this is something that I could talk all day about. So the fact that we have a time limit, you know, you're, you're spared listening to this all day. But there are so many roles, even if you're not like Amanda, and you don't want to pick up the phone and make phone calls. There are behind the scenes jobs uh, that can be done politically, you know, even volunteering in your own area to work an election just to get that experience. They, they need workers right now uh, because a lot of our volunteers who are retired and, and you know a little bit older that normally work in election are not going to be able to do that right now because of the health risks. So, you know, as far as is the union work, you can work behind the scenes. You can talk to your local president. You can talk to one of the region presidents. You can reach out to the officers to see what kind of um, support may be needed around the state. Obviously, as one of the officers of the MEA, it's, um, I feel it's my duty to be involved in as many elections around the state as we can be. There are multiple, and sometimes it's very um, stressful because, you know, we get asked from everywhere to, you know, to do things like speak, to um, promote, to do whatever we can do. But there's only three of us, and it's a very big state, of, you know, in Michigan, and we try to focus our events where we can be. So it's, it's a very busy time between now and November for us and, you know, um, political action committee, you know, the donation to PAC all, is always helpful. And, you know, the NEA, there's NEA PAC as well. So that money does the same thing nationally that the money that's donated in Michigan does. You can talk to a candidate. If you find a candidate that you believe in, then you can go maybe help on their campaign and see what you can do for them. We have a lot of uh, former I say former teachers, uh, teachers that have left the classroom to run for office because they feel very strongly about what's happening in public education. So even if you don't live in their area, you can support them in some way, shape or form. So there's, there's many things that people can do regardless of how comfortable you are with speaking with people. You know, door knocking obviously is not going to be something that I would assume is going to happen for this election. So it might be, you know, um, we use a program called Hustle where you send out text messages to our members and have conversation that way. There's all kinds of great things that can happen. And I do think it's important that our, our newer educators, regardless of the role you play in education, get involved and really truly, the earlier you get an understanding of this, the better off you will be in the long run and the more comfortable, the happier you'll be. You won't be looking back saying, what did I do? Why didn't I get involved earlier? You know, we, we want to just focus on our job and unfortunately or fortunately i guess this is part of the job so but again thank you for having me and if you ever want me to come back i will gladly be a guest again awesome. yeah we definitely want you to come back this is fun. <laughs> for sure
and we get to learn more. So if you guys um, could respond to this podcast today, just with some of the different types of things that you're involved with, with whether it's about political stuff or how you're involved within your union, um, that will just get us, get the conversation going and help us to better understand you and your involvement with the MEA. And um, also we have some new stuff happening here with mine. We are going to be pushing out some two minute teacher tips and why I teach videos on our new YouTube channel. So you can check out the, actually, I think it's on the MEA's YouTube, not the mine YouTube, right? Okay. So it's on the MEA's YouTube and, um, but I think stay tuned one day there will be a mine YouTube. <laughs> um, and then we also have the Michigan Education Association Center for Leadership and Learning Facebook group. There are a lot of professional resources and conversations happening there and you know just to educate yourself and if you think that there are people in your district or your local that you know are kind of on the fence or need more information that's also a great spot just to get those conversations going thank you everybody don't forget to like um and follow and subscribe to all of the things that we're putting out it's mi new educators we have instagram facebook twitter and stay tuned for those teacher tip videos. We're on iTunes now. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> All right, stay safe. I really hope. Thanks, you guys. <laughs> <laughs>